0: Hey, welcome back to the Tickle the Twine podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Oman, and today we are doing a draft lottery reaction podcast, and I actually have my first guest ever, um, my homie CJ Holmes. He's the digital sports producer for the Dallas Morning News. Um, he played basketball at Auburn, where I managed, and so I brought him on. He's an expert on the NBA, loves it just as much as I am, and because he's in Dallas, he's, he's close with one of the teams that was involved in the lottery, the Mavs. What's up, CJ? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming. So... Um, To kind of just jump right into it, uh, the lottery order, we had the Suns at one, uh, the Kings at two, they jumped up all the way up from seven was their projected spot, the Hawks at three, they jumped up from four, so only moved up once, the Memphis Grizzlies at four, the Dallas Mavericks at five, uh, the Orlando Magic at six, the Chicago Bulls at seven the Cleveland Cavs at 8 with the pick from the uh, New Jersey Nets that they got in the Kyrie trade last year, the New York Knicks at 9, the Philadelphia 76ers at 10 with the Lakers pick, uh, the Charlotte Hornets at 11, the Clippers at 12 with their pick from Detroit, the Clippers at 13 with their actual pick, and the Denver Nuggets at 14. Um, so to just start off, um, who do you have as the um, of the teams that got bumped? So the Mavs, uh, the Grizzlies, the Bulls. And the magic. Who who took the biggest L tonight in terms of getting bumped? Well, first and foremost, I would like to give myself
1: credit for correctly predicting the winner, the Phoenix Suns. You know, DeAndre Ayton being kind of, I guess, somewhat local to that area, it only makes sense. It's usually how these things usually play out. You can look at recent history of you know the Cavs winning the draft and LeBron left, or you can look at when you know a couple years back when. Chicago won the NBA draft, and D Rose is coming out. It just always seems like the hometown kid ends up going home. Well, just yeah, watched, but, but in it, years, it, you know, immediately, you know, as a guy who you know was I was involved a lot with the Mavericks down here, you know, you kind of got to look at the Mavericks and thinking they were. I'm not looking at the sta- I'm not looking at the standings, but they were one of the top three worst teams in the NBA, and they see them pick five you know, that's just kind of a, you know, that's devastating, you know, because they're projected to pick as low as six, but for them to pick five, I just think they're going to miss out on a lot of talent, this is a very talented draft, and of course, yeah, look at the New York Knicks, man, it's as almost like, at this point, God doesn't want to be good at basketball, right? Yeah,
0: I, I feel like um, the whole, uh, the dark, darkest parts of NBA Twitter that are uh, a uh, delve in the conspiracy theories would have gone crazy if the Cavs or the Knicks had been able to jump all the way up to one and because they didn't we, we, we kind of get to quell those rumors a little bit um, but yeah I'm initially just right off the bat I definitely thought uh, the Mavs are kind of the biggest losers just where they fell losing the two spots where they did kind of take somewhere they're going to have that second choice of talent pool and what's going to what likely might happen based on how the f- top four teams picks is we could see a center that the Dallas the Mavericks may or may not want to take a risk on drop to them and they may not get their preferred Center their preferred guy,
1: right? Because you know, if you look at the order, you look at one. I mean, I don't see Phoenix going in another direction other than DeAndre. Look at two, Sacramento. They got their point guard of the future and De'Aaron Fox. So then, you know, you can I can see them taking a guy like Marvin Bagley or Jaron Jackson out of Michigan State. Then um, at three, we have the Hawks. Um, I can't see them needing any help at guard. Maybe they can consider Luka Doncic. At three, at four, Memphis is Mike Conley, so I can't see them taking a guard. Paul Gasol, I mean not Paul Gasol. I'm so sorry. Mark Gasol is getting up there in age. You uh, know, maybe it's about time that they drafted his eventual replacement. And you know, by the time the Mavs come around to pick at five, there are really no quality big men left on the board. And yeah, you can
0: take a you could
1: take a you know a risk on a guy like Michael Porter Jr. But you know. Is that
0: Yeah, exactly my thinking there is that whoever drops them, it's not going to be their ideal pick, whereas if at least the standings had held, they probably would have gotten uh, their first or second choice choice at the worst, and now they're probably going to be looking further down their draft board just given the composition of who's above them and who jumped them. so, so moving on, I think, uh, so do you consider that the Kings or the Hawks is winning more? Um, for me, I definitely think, I mean, the Kings jumped the furthest, they jumped from seven to two, but the fact that they don't have their pick next year um, is probably probably why they're the winner of the draft, they kind of come up big, whereas no matter really who the Suns pick, the, the Kings are going to be in a k- position to kind of pick and choose where they want to take their franchise and who they want to pair with De'Aaron Fox, and, and do you agree or do you think the Hawks made off better?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I did not know that the Hawks didn't have their pick next year. The
0: Kings they don't, don't the Kings team. don't. The Hawks do, the Kings don't.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So, um, you know, we're picking between, you uh, know, who had a you know better draft between the Hawks and the Kings?
0: Yeah, yeah. Who, who's, in, who's in a better position after jumping into the top three?
1: I'd say the Kings, because, you know, if you look at what they did in the draft last year... Um, now they have a the chance to kind of really start building, you know. After losing Demarcus Cousins the free agency, or they trade—I'm not—I don't remember what happened in that situation. But you know, since losing Boogie, they're now in a position to really start to, you know, reload. If you look at the guys they bought in last year with um, Jackson from uh, North Carolina, if you look at Fox, they bought him from Kentucky. Uh, they brought in Frank Mason as backup point guard. Now they can really bring in that big man, of the future, and really start to build something. I like what they're doing
0: yeah sam i kind of i I really enjoyed their draft um last year and i liked watching them play this year the, between De'Aaron Fox and Bogdan Bogdanovic, they kind of won a couple more games, and I think their fans wanted them to win in terms of coming to the lottery race. But it seems that it, it still worked out for them, so that so so that that ends up working out the way, and they and they got the guy they wanted last year, and he showed flashes of the greatness that I personally think he's going to deliver on as he progresses and as he hones that jump shot. So, um, before just jumping into a, a quick mock draft, I wanted to go over some maybe funny, more social media oriented tidbits that I thought were pretty were pretty good. So is Here's here's a question: Is Detroit sending Kennard to the to the lottery, the most ultimate self self own after they picked him above Donovan Mitchell in the draft last year?
1: I I think it's just them trying to instill some confidence in their young player, Uh, Luke. I mean, Luke Canard didn't have the best rookie year, but you know he's a serviceable NBA shooter. Guy can really shoot the ball, and you know there's always value for someone like that in this league. But, you know, considering
0: what they could have had, you know, it is kind of ironic sent Yeah, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I, I get you there. Like, I, I don't mean to, like, put down Canard. It's just, I, I think, and I actually think it's a little unfair for people to just kind of be like, oh, look what the Pistons could have had if they just picked Mitchell. And, you know, no one, I don't, I think very few, if anyone, kind of predicted Mitchell to have the season he did. And so that's a little unfair. And then... The second tidbit that I think was kind of funny is since the 76ers and the Celtics were both vying for the, the Lakers pick, depending on where it fell, um, they put Elton Brand, the guy who represented the Sixers, and Rick Gotham, the president of the Celtics, at the same table, and if you looked at their faces, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, they they both seemed that they were not told of this situation until it happened, and they were just on live TV reacting to the fact that they had to share a table. <laughs> I did, you know, that, that was kind of more the more comedic thing thing that I thought was a a good time and probably just a little bit of ESPN just kind of leaving a little bit of information hanging or however it worked out um it,
1: that is really funny uh, that situation is really funny you know having both of them staying at the same table but hey Looks like both of those franchises are moving in the right direction. So you know, at the end of the day, you know, how upset can they be?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Celtics, have I mean, they're playing this, the Cavs right uh, right now, and if they can take a commanding lead in the series, they're going to be looking at, hey, you know what? They didn't get a top a lottery pick this year, but they're going to have four picks in next year's draft, um, and they're going to be set uh, no matter wh- how they choose to do that. Um, and so. Uh now, um, not to keep uh, listeners waiting anymore, let's go ahead and jump right into uh, the lottery mock draft, and we'll just start with the Suns and work down, and we kind of do kind of a collaborative or back and forth, kind of how it naturally develops. But you said, um, talking in the very beginning that you think the Suns go with Aiton. Um, I, te- I tended to lean that way myself um, for a while, but... Um, it, it interesting that the Suns coach that they just hired was actually Luka Doncic's Eurobasket coach so do you think is there any chance that kind of leans them towards taking Luka over Ayton you know if a team like the Suns and you're picking first especially for the first time in
1: franchise history you gotta hit this like there's zero room for error you know I think you go to Ayton because you know he was the best big man in college arguably the best big man in college basketball last year He's the most NBA ready, uh, you know, any prospect coming out this year, mm-hmm. and I think he's part of a sure thing. So I think if you're Phoenix, you go eight and at one, no questions about it.
0: Okay, I mean, I, I tend, to, I, I was, I was a big on the eight and train. Um, I, I picked Arizona to go deep in the tournament, and that kind of burned me. Um, uh, it's too bad that they didn't know how to throw an entry pass to their two seven Oh, footers. they burned everyone.
1: <laughs> I had Arizona winning it all. They burned me. On
0: the oh first. yeah, so. I, I t- yeah, I tend to agree with the Aiden pick. I think his upside is certainly enough that that there's that that, that picking him number one is not going to be a mistake and will, and will more likely than not pan out for you. I do think, um, I'm probably on the side of more pro Luca than anyone than most people. You know, we we only have the clips, you know, here and there, but the clips look really good, and then, you know, you have to take into effect fact that he's he's playing with grown men over in Europe and he's eighteen years old, and so I do think that when we talk about sure things, yeah, there's there could be some waverance in Luca because he is playing overseas, but at the end of the day when I watch him at least, what I see is like at the at the the his floor is probably like a Hito Turkoluke type player. And so um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns take uh, Luca, but I, I agree with you in that I would take Aiton if I were them. Um, they obviously have a weakness in the middle, and Aiton can kind of he can he can fill that void, obviously, and he can also play with both Marquise Chris and Dragic and Bender and kind of form a, a an athletic front court that can be hyper switchy if they so choose. You know. I agree. Okay, um, so moving on to the Kings. So do you th- so um, do you think the Kings just take um, Doncic, or do you think they move and take one of this one of the other centers that are here? Um, for me, just because of given their backcourt comp- compensation, I don't think they would go Doncic, and this would let Doncic slide. Um, and if I were them, I would probably lean lean toward Jaron Jackson. What, what are you? What is your take there? Let me pull up
1: this Kings roster. See what <laughs> See what they're working with at the guard position hmm well let's just start with De'Aaron fox i mean you took fox last year as your point guard of the future um, a lot of people are projecting Doncic um to be that point guard shooting guard like claire um if kings want to pair Doncic with fox in the backcourt i mean i think that can be a beautiful thing in a few years but at the same time, like I said, you need to fill the void that you know Boogie has left. Uh, so I think at two, I think you go Marvin Bagley, second best big man in college basketball, um, behind DeAndre Ayton. I think he's very pro ready, extremely skilled around the basket, and kind of give uh, De'Aaron Fox a pick and roll partner and someone to run with in the open court. Mm-hmm. So, so they already have uh, Bogdanovich who's done a great job as a rookie, you know, stretching the floor uh, for the Kings, so I think that a guy like Mark Bagley can come in there and contribute immediately.
0: Okay, so I, I'm actually a little lower on Bagley, I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about his 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 defensive um, upside in the NBA, and I feel like... Um, no, no one, no
1: one guards in the NBA, come
0: on. <laughs> Alright, well, we're just going to dispense with that nonsense, um, um, but... I think that if you um if they take Bagley do you see Bagley as someone that they could pair next to next to their other young beings bigs I mean Willie Colley Stein can be a a, has been a pretty good defensive big and can get better um and uh Scott Labissier certainly has the wingspan and the the skill set to also be improve on the defensive end of the floor, and so if you were, like I am, a little bit worried about Bagley's defensive potential, do you think he would be safe and that they could find the floor spacing if they if they put him next to Labissier or uh, Cauley-Stein in lineups at times? Well, I definitely
1: think there's enough value between um, those two bigs that the uh, Sacramento already has. They can even consider moving one or both of them. Um, I think it's fair to say that a player like Scal hasn't really developed at the rate that we would have liked to see. So, hypothetically, I think you could move Scal. You know, he has some value somewhere in the league. Move Scal, and I could definitely see a guy um, like Mark Bagley playing alongside a Willie Colley Stein. So you have that defensive rim protector in the back line.
0: You know, Bagley can give it to you offensively, and Willie colley not can give it to you defensively. Okay, yeah. I, I, uh, I respect that defense of the pick that I was, I was a little, uh, little low on um, when, when you said it. But um, t- to move on to the Hawks, um, I think um, at this point if the Haw- for the Hawks, um, I would probably actually go... Uh, Jaron Jackson. I'm I'm big Jaron Jackson guy. Um, I think his switchability and his defensive intensity is great. And like I said, kind of similar to what the Suns could try and do with Ayton and, and Chris slash Bender. I think the Hawks with Jaron Jackson and uh, John Collins could be a hyper athletic front court. They can switch a lot of things. They can get out and guard in the modern NBA. And Jaron Jackson has shown the ability to step out and hit a three-pointer as well. Um, do you th- What do you think there? Do you, do you agree here? Do you, do you have someone else you'd, you'd rather pull out of the bag?
1: I'm going to name off some of the guys p- currently playing in the Hawks front court. You have John Collins, Mike Muscala, DeAndre Brembry, let's see, Jeremy Evans, and Miles Plummer. They need front court help desperately. At that point, you know, you have Aiden off the board, Bagley's
0: off the board, go up the best available, Jaron Jackson's the pick. Awesome, and and um, I think that. Do you think there is any chance that pick gets changed at all by the news today with Dennis Schroeder saying he doesn't want to be um, on the Hawks long long term to be part of a rebu- rebuilding process, and ideally he'd like to be traded to the Bucks or Pacers. Do you think that changes their calculus at all? In that maybe they try to deal him for a big, and then and then take a point guard if if Doncic falls to them here, or uh, reach for someone like Sexton, or do you think they they deal him for for a guard as well if they deal him at all? I think
1: taking Sexton at three is a little too high. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player, but third overall pick in the draft, uh, I'm
0: not sure if he warrants that kind of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, say they do find a way to deal Schroeder, then yeah, I think that Luka Doncic is just the pick here. Gotcha. Okay, sounds good. All right, moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so here, at least in our mock draft, they would, have, they would have Doncic still available to them, and then they'd still also have Bamba, um, and uh, Wendell Carter, so some centers as well if you're looking to replace um, uh, Marcus Saul, How would you go here? Um, I think um, that if Doncic falls this far, I think the Grizzlies would probably be ripe to, sw- to sweep him up and have a secondary playmaker to sit alongside um, Michael, Mike Conley, especially if Conley's injury woes lag on. At all, what do you think?
1: I got a little bit of an upset here at fourth overall. Memphis, you know, worst team in the league last year. They need scoring, and they need scoring desperately, and they're not necessarily built. You know, in the past, in the last couple of years, you know, what has Memphis been? They've been a staple of consistency, right? Um, You know, constantly in the playoffs. But last year, they just really struggled to score the ball, and, you know, I would assume they bring Tyreek Evans back next year. But say they don't, you know, Marcus all is getting up there in age. You need a scorer. You need someone who can develop into that scorer. So fourth overall, I have the Memphis Grizzlies going Michael Porter Jr. out of Missouri. A guy who can come in. They don't need him to be amazing immediately. Um, a guy who didn't play that much at Missouri because of injury. But he's also a guy that, you know, you look back to his high school career. The kid knew how to simply put the ball in the basket. And, you know, another... High risk, high reward guy. They need that scoring. I think Memphis goes Michael Porter Jr. at four. A little bit of an upset there. Um, a lot of mock drafts has him falling a little bit. Maybe some mock drafts have him have him outside the lottery. But I think out of everyone on this list, he had everyone projected to be a lottery
0: pick. He has the highest upside as far as, far as putting the ball in the basket. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with his scoring ability. I was I was pretty disappointed to see him not uh, be able to play much of the year at Missouri. Um, and even when he did play in the SEC tournament, he did not like look like what I expected him to look. And so I think that that kind of that kind of is a is a plus and a negative. I think the coming back in the X and SEC tournament works against him because he wasn't this all potential where we didn't see much of him at all, and so people just filled his potential with their wildest dreams. But and and then also on top of that, I think it's worrisome in that you know, his injury is mainly back-related, and if there's anything that history tells us is that a bad back doesn't really get better um, as time goes on, and it's even crippled some of the greatest players in the league. Um, Larry Bird was famously never the same after he spent a summer retarring his uh, own driveway instead of paying for it and he tweaked his back and so with that with that um, being a possibility w- w- there's a heavy risk if the Grizzlies you know reach for Porter there that they have Porter nah, maybe he gets hurt Mike Conley injury Rose Chandler Parsons hasn't barely been on the floor at all since they signed him and then what if you three of your top four players right there are, are off the board for the majority of the year you're gonna see themselves back in the bottom again and they have a they have picks going out sooner sooner rather than later and so they need to improve so the so they're not dropping uh, good picks in the last of already good teams um, so I, guess does, point, does that, you,
1: I guess the point I'm trying to make is Memphis isn't going anywhere <laughs> anytime soon so I wouldn't call it a luxury but you know when you have the I guess yeah when you have the luxury of being a bottom feeder you have time for a guy like Michael Porter Jr. to bring him along slowly because you know we, as we've seen in his high school tape when that guy's on his game he has potential to be a lethal scorer and that's what Memphis needs the most
0: okay yeah i mean i i agree there that they definitely need another option especially with gasol on his way out and conley aging i just i don't know how much this injury is going to factor into and with the with the workouts coming up i'm I'm certain if he if he if he's wonderful in workouts then he will his stock will continue to rise and that will look less of a less of a reach and more of a steal um as, as the draft goes on all right so now we got your your team um the dallas mavericks um who you're covering picking at let's five just, let's
1: give the people a little recap where we're at okay
0: so, so at, at, at the Sun, we had the Suns at one. They took Aiton, uh, DeAndre Ayton from Arizona. At two, we've got Sacramento Kings taking Marvin Bagley of Duke. Um, at, at three, we have the Atlanta Hawks taking Jaron Jackson Jr. of Michigan State. So that's three centers in the first three picks. Um, at four, we have Memphis Grizzlies taking Michael Porter Jr. of Missouri. And so here we are saddled at five with the Mavs. Um, most people would say um, this is Luka Doncic falling pretty significantly. Um, you still have the Texas kid, Mobamba, on the board. Um, how would you go here? Uh,
1: the tragedy of the Dallas Mavericks. Um. And you know, you know, as the guys who watched a lot of Mavs games this year, the Mavs aren't as far from being contenders as people would think. They're another team that's in desperate need of scoring, but even more so, I think this is a team that needs a rim protector. Um, you know, Dirk Javitsky, as prolific as he was over the years in this league, uh, he was never a rim protector. And, you know, Tyson Chandler isn't walking through that door any time soon. So I think at number five... Um, you know, the way our mountain draft is played out, the Dallas Mavericks are in a very favorable position. If Doncic falls, I think he's the pick, you know, as far as someone to pair alongside your point guard, the future Dennis Smith Jr. But at five, I'm going to have the Dallas Mavericks selecting Mo Bamba, center Texas. Uh, in-state kid, um, you can bring him along slowly. He'll have a guy like Dirk Havitsky to mentor him. Uh, I think Mamba... M- Bamba is the logical pick here. Mo Bamba is going to be a Mav.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree completely there. I think. It, it, no matter how the first four picks go for the Mavs, I think if Bamba's available to them, I think they go with Bamba. Um, his rim protection is, is is obviously at an elite level with his length and can only improve. Um, he is a little thin. Um, you can tell. I, I, that's one thing that stood out to me, especially when you watch, like, the tournament. He's on national TV. His legs his legs were much skinnier than than you'd like for someone his size, but you can obviously put on weight, and I'm sure he's, he's already in the gym doing that. And then if you combine that with, you know, there's workout videos of him hitting threes all day long, which... Uh, um, people like to get crazy about, but, I, but both you and I have experience of um, basically anybody, um, mo- most everyone that we saw come through Auburn could sit and practice and knock down 10, 15 threes in a row, no matter um, what level of skill or what position they played. So those workout videos don't tend to impress me as much as the general public, but I do think his upside defensively and, and maybe offensively, if he gets the shot right, um, is too much for the Mavs to pass up, and a pick and roll partner with Dennis Smith Jr. is a deadly combination.
1: Very deadly, very deadly. Now, where are we at now? So, now?
0: we got the Magic picking at number six. Um, I think. Oh at,
1: brooks, I'm torn here. I'm
0: torn. <laughs> I, yeah. For, for this would be the ideal scenario for the Magic, I think, because um, in this situation, Doncic has fall to them, fell to them, and they have Trey Young, so they have two ball dom- dominant guys that can get open shots for themselves and others. Um, and that's something that the Magic def- definitely need after dealing Alfred Payton. So, so which one do you go with here?
1: I thought we had Doncic come off the board earlier. He's still on the board.
0: Yeah, we, we yeah. He's he's all the way down here. We... Oh man. <laughs> well,
1: if Doncic is still on the board, Matt. Well, here's the thing: the Maverick, uh, the the uh, excuse me, the Orlando Magic just drafted a player that eerily similar to Luka Doncic. Uh, The guy out of, where is he from, Spain?
0: Hernandez? Oh, oh, Mario Hazonia?
1: Mario Hizonia. They just drafted someone Mm -hmm. who's kind of in the mold of basically what Doncic is. Magic are another team that they can't afford to miss again. Oh, yeah. Magic, they have missed on superstar point guard after superstar point guard. At number six,
0: I have the Dallas... I mean, <laughs> excuse me. No worries. Magic
1: taking, call him Sexton out of Alabama. Oh,
0: interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they could go that way as well. Um, given Sexton's ability, I love his fire um, and his just ability to kind of turn it on. Um, us both being Auburn guys, we watched him torch Auburn multiple times this year. Um, much to much to my archer grin but yeah, I I think. I think that um, because his jumper isn't as consistent as, say, Trey Youngs is, and they've they had such a hard time with Alfred Payton as a as a ball dominant one that could attack the basket but couldn't really shoot, that there might be some hesitancy there. Um, but at the same time, um, my surprise at that pick would be very limited. Again, though, I don't I don't know. I mean because of how our mock drafts playing out, we're having Doncic fall pretty far, and I think if this is the case, then someone's going to wind up with him late in the draft, and they're going to be smiling from ear to ear with a steal. Um, But but I'm happy to let the Magic... um,
1: I thought we had Doncic going to
0: Atlanta at three. No, we had Jared Jackson there, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, moving on from the Magic, uh, we've got the Chicago Bulls uh, picking at seven. Um, so after uh, Lowry marketing kind of surprised everyone, I was definitely very very low on him um, after he got drafted last year. Um, I've I've always I'm not a big fan of big men who can't seem to rebound, um, but he he's he to play good defense and has been great offensively. So who would they look to pair with him um, to build going forward? I say that this is if Doncic just on the board, this is where he lands. Okay, to the
1: Chicago Bulls. Um, they got a couple of young guards and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, but they really need that staple franchise player to come in and pair with Lori in. So, yeah, I have Doncic going to the
0: Bulls. Yeah, and and even that, I think I think one of the best parts about Doncic that's going to be realized once he comes over here is kind of his, his ability to playmake for, for others as, as just as much as himself. You know, he's willing to—he'll he'll be able to slide down, play that 3-4. He can rebound at a, at a strong level and then get it out, run the break, and find guys open. And I think that I actually worked well with Laurie getting opening for threes, but also kind of pair well with Zach Levine and their athletic guards— um, with him, and the athleticism of the rest of their guards can make up for the fact that Doncic's biggest glaring weakness is his kind of lack of elite-level athleticism.
1: Absolutely. Now we got the... The Cavs. You know, are on the clock. Yep.
0: How do you think this
1: is going to play
0: out, bro? See, I think I, I was kind of... I was kind of had Colin Sexton buttonhole to the Cavs. I think if he falls to 8, um, that's kind of the guy they're going to target. They need a playmaking guy who can score um, so that LeBron doesn't have to carry the entire load, assuming LeBron stays. Now that's a big what if for the Cavs, and that's certainly not something that they're going to know the answer to come draft time. So, so it's a kind of a shot in the dark situation um, that LeBron has given many of his teams um, in the last couple years. So, with the need for someone to score, um, I think they would go Trey Young here. Um, that this will give, especially if LeBron stays, Trey Young will have a, have a, have the chance to handle the ball. Kind of score with the ball in his hands, but also be in the position where LeBron can get him consistently open shots. He's not in the situation where he was in Oklahoma this year, where the entire offense falls on his shoulders. Um, he can learn from LeBron. He can LeBron can get him consistent open shots so that he can build his confidence and make sure that when he's got the ball in his hands, he can get the best shot available for him, and he doesn't just have to force up thirty footers because the rest of his team can't do anything. What do you What do you think?
1: I agree, hundred percent. You know, you look at the Cavs roster right now. I love Jordan Clarkson, but he's not going to get it done. I love George Hill, but he's not going to get it done. And especially considering if LeBron James leaves Cleveland this offseason, they're going to need someone to put (laughs) fans in the seats. They're going to need to sell tickets. And I think there isn't a more polarizing player, an exciting
0: player, in this year's draft class than Oklahoma's Trey Young. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think... We saw the, the the how how nuclear he could go on the court um, early in the season, and then <clears throat> obviously as they got into conference play, it got harder and harder for him to continuously produce. But the but the sparks are there, and he can definitely you know he's got the range, he's got the oh he's just a he's just a uh, he's the next coming of Steph Curry, and we'll see if he can pull off on that. But but the Cavs, especially with LeBron, um, could kind of be the perfect place for him to develop that ability, and so that moves us to number nine um, where we got the. the man- the Knicks just
1: miss out on point guards again? Yep.
0: Well, oh, not goodness. But with Frank Nilekina and uh, the recently acquired Emmanuel Moutier, would they even have wanted to go and get a thir- another young point guard that they have to develop slash try? Um, no, trade those guys, man. Trade
1: those guys. We're going to get it done. But, hey, I've been wrong before.
0: Yeah. So um, some of the best available that we still have on the board, we have Miles Bridges, we have Mikhail Bridges, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, how would you think the Knicks would go here?
1: You know, like a lot of teams picking lottery, Knicks need scoring. Knicks need something positive, but you know they need a sure thing. Hmm.
0: What do you think? Yeah, this is tough. I I think <laughs> I think they need a guy who can like. Create his own shot, and and the problem with a uh, while Mikhail Bridges and Miles Bridges are both quality prospects. I don't think either of them are what the Knicks need um, because they're guys who are going to play good defense and hit open shots when they get them. But neither of them are the best creators, and so I think that, put, that puts the Knicks between the rock a rock and a hard place. And so then my own my other thing is, do they just kind of fall back and say, all right, well let's take the best available who works in what we got, and take someone like Wendell Carter, um, a center that they can play uh, play with Porzingis he can defend the rim and kind of make an elite rim protection team in the back and then just say, oh, we'll figure out how to score. And just kind of focus on the defense. They did just hire Fizdale and he he does like defense.
1: I could see that. I could see a guy like Wendell Carter. He'd work really well with Christoph Porzingis. But I could also see the Knicks reaching for a guy like Jalen Brunson. I mean, what'd you say? The Knicks need someone who's, who can distribute the ball to their playmakers, right? Yeah. Right? I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. can mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I'm praying for him to continue to develop, but I don't ever see him being that guy either. You know, this could be a spot where the Knicks could really reach for a solid veteran point guard, like a guy like
0: Jalen Brunson. I it, think uh, New York fans would love it. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> I don't know, I don't know if we can we can put that one in here. That's that might be too much of a super reach. I mean most boards including um reach, that's national player of the year. Yeah, but he's I mean, but you got you have to I think when you talk about Jalen Brunson you have to kinda of talk about yeah, he, he's a four years guard, he's gonna come in and, and do exactly what you need him to do right off the bat, but he does have limitations athletically, you know, how is he gonna fare in the NBA athletically? Athletically is the main point like he could create and run well in his offense at Villanova But can he create one-on-one against NBA caliber defenders? Especially when I personally have of the opinion that he wasn't even the best player on his team last year and that I would Mikael Bridges is significantly better than him. So I think I don't know I think if we're gonna go for a guy who can create here I think we got to go someone like Shea just alexander I mean Alexander's another point guard who can't shoot Which would be a little bit of a muddle for the Knicks, but I think that's more plausible for them um, when they go for a guy that's at least an athletic guy who can get in and do, make some something happen in the paint, um, rather than a guy who who's gonna who's gonna do what they need him to do. But well, what exactly do we need him to do? Because he's because uh, Brunson is not gonna consistently get open shots for himself. So I don't know. I, I mean, you can make the final call, but I'm definitely I definitely think it's either Wendell Carter or Shea Gilgis. I don't think they're gonna reach as far back as. As Brunson, and if if Brunson is the move or someone they're targeting, then they might as well just trade back and. Yeah, that's what I was to say. This is a prime spot for the next. Uh, you know, maybe
1: trade back, get some additional compensation, and then you can get your guy in Brunson later in the
0: draft. Yeah, exactly. Like I would be comfortable if you want to trade back, maybe into the early twenties, pick up a couple more assets, and then take him there. But I don't. I think taking him at nine is is not going to be a good way. Um, for their for them to get off the right foot with Fizdale, and I don't think that's something that's gonna really excite uh, Porzingis, who they already have a rocky relationship with. So um, we've been on the Knicks for a little too long. Who do you want to pencil in, Shea Gilgis or, or Wendell Carter? Because we're not we're not gonna go into the depths of trades right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go best available, Carter's Knicks. All right, cool. All right, so that moves on to the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, who've got the ten pick virtue of their virtue uh, coming from the Lakers. I think um, this is probably the way the draft is played out is almost ideal for the 76ers because if I'm if I'm the 76ers I'm picking Mikael Bridges I, I don't I think it's a no-brainer. He's Absolutely. three and D wing. He does exactly what they need. That you know he brings more shooting on, on the floor, which is what they need right now. He's. That's not. I don't think that's his best attribute. Well, you know, if a guy like Vince Simmons, he's always looking for people to run the floor with him and a floor spacer. Like you had Joel Embiid, I think this would be a perfect spot for Mikael Bridges. Oh yeah, He's super long, super athletic. He's gonna run his ass off in transition. I mean, nothing left to say. I mean, I think that's a perfect fit and great value considering where the uh, Sixers are picking. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, picking ten. There's, there's a. I think there's, there's a small chance he falls this far. But if he falls this far, I think that's the quickest trigger in the draft. Just for he fills exactly what they need, and um, he showed the ability. To, well, I think he's a guy that you know, if you're watching, maybe not the the conference final series right now, but watching the second round and the first round series, he's definitely a guy that you could plug in right now, and he could have contributed in some way, shape, or form for them. Um, which is which is, and he's one of the only guys in the draft where you could say that he could come right in and make an impact. Um, not a la. we're not going to see him do anything that Jason Tatum's doing, but we're going to see him put in a consistent impact, get points do what he needs to do, hustle do and and kind of earn those minutes um, and, and, and what not, so um, yeah, this is definitely ideal for the 76ers, moving on to uh, the Charlotte Hornets new GM Mitch Kupchak, new coach um, and a roster full of contract albatrosses, so, so how do they go here?
1: Oh, uh, you know a couple of months ago, I would have went, I would have went for a player like Kevin Knox here. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because, you know, they could all you could, a team like that, they need help in every position. Um, a guy like Kevin Knox can come in, he'd be productive on the perimeter. I think it's fair to say that the Michael Kidd-Gilchrist experiment has failed. So, naturally, a guy like Kevin Knox can come in and fill that void. Um, but I think in this situation... This situation, you gotta go perimeter. Mhm. Maybe a guy like
0: Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith. Okay. I I kind of I kind of like that idea. Um, I think Zaire is a little bit of a, a question mark. I think we're gonna have to see where he fits in position wise in the NBA, but he definitely has a lot of pros that they can build on. And I get and when you come at this draft for the the Hornets, there is the lingering question of are they trying to move Kemba Walker, and if they do move Kemba Walker, maybe they, they they go more towards a point guard and like Shea Gildress, but yeah, Zyre Smith, I mean, he immediately can be a flexible wing um, w- with defensive abilities. Um, he can learn from I, I mean, you say Michael K. Gilchrist has been a failure, but they do ha- He does play good, good defense. So even if Gilchrist is only there short term, he can he can kind of mentor Zaire Smith defensively. And um, with with so, so many malleable wings and forwards in Charlotte, Zaire Smith would more than uh, would be able to find his position and kind of and kind of hone himself there. I think, and uh, I, I think that pick works for them under the assumption that they don't move Kemba.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So now we have
0: back-to-back back Clippers picks. Clippers again. I think you gotta go big man here, right? Yeah, I think um, I think DeAndre Jordan very well could be on his way out for the Clippers. Um, whether they trade him or or he he leaves, other uh, yeah, I definitely think they're gonna be looking. They might be looking to trade him and just kind of look for a new era. Um, f- with the clippers out there um, kind of build around some of the younger pieces they have so if i were to go a younger big man i think the best available especially on our board is robert williams mm-hmm. yeah i, 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 text I love Peter
1: robert williams big body soft hands good touch around the rim um, he's not going to be a guy to come in and you know wow people immediately, but in time he can develop into a very serviceable big man in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree. Um, that's where I, this is where I have Robert Williams slotted. Um, and I would think. That that's the that's the direction they go. I mean, even if they keep DeAndre, he can learn from DeAndre as a backup for a couple seasons before moving moving in as a starter. So then with their with their second pick at thirteen, our second to last pick of the of the lottery, where do you think they go? There's you know, we still have Shea Gilders on the board, um, we've got some other we've got Jonte I'm
1: just not as high on Shea, uh, Shea Gillis, Gillis Alexander as other
0: people are. Okay. So then, you know, we've got him on the board. we got so Kevin Knox still on the board. Lonnie Walker from Miami still on the board. Where, where, where's your thought process here for their second pick? Are we going and, go and wing? I'm, I'm staying all. I'm
1: going Robert
0: Williams. I think that's a good no, pick. Well, we, we had Robert Williams at 12 for the Clippers. We're at 13. They have back-to-back oh, picks. Oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> huh, I think you go wing.
1: I think you definitely go wing in this situation. Um, maybe point guard? Maybe point guard. Who's playing point guard for the clips right now?
0: Um Milos Tilodoshik and um Bever uh Beverly, Patrick Beverly.
1: Uh, yeah, you need some star power, this is a point guard league. Shy Gileas Alexander's off the board.
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, while I, 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 I honestly um, haven't watched as much Shy Gildress at, as I would have liked to yet at this point, um, still I have about a month to bone up on exactly what his strengths and weaknesses are, I think that's where they would go here. They get themselves a young point guard to pair with a young big. Um, they saw each other in the SEC a couple times last year, so they kind of know, know who, their, who, their, who their future mate will be. And I think, um, you know, Gildress's uh, athleticism, he can kind of be um, the new Rondo for Doc Rivers if he wants to develop him that way, and if Doc Rivers is around for the long haul and a little bit of the rebuild. And um, I think they can, they can find a way to put some shooting around him to fill the fact that he doesn't have a jumper quite yet. Uh-huh. All right, so we have our final pick. Um, the Denver Nuggets picking at fourteen. How do you think they go here? Um, they're uh, they've got a lot of different ways to go, given the kind of flexibility of their roster. You know, they got
1: the Joker down the post. They have excellent young guard play: Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Uh, Paul Millsap's always been good in this league. Uh, Wilson Chandler, I'm a big Wilson Chandler fan. Uh, but still, they can get younger out on the perimeter. And. You know, maybe bring in that backup point guard. I'm thinking maybe IMG Academy point guard, Anthony Simmons.
0: Anthony Simmons. Um, so, um, I don't know much about I, I, about Simmons other than the fact that he's coming straight out of um, IMG. The only other name I would put out here that we still have on the board, too, is Miles Bridges. Um, any chance that they go with him over um, Simmons, or do you think they they kind of invest in Simmons? And if they invest in Simmons, is he the type of guy who's going to fit well in an offense where he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much and can kind of learn from what what Jamal Murray's doing as their point guard uh, right now?
1: Well, I think that you know Jamal Murray's the guy who's better suited off the ball.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and that's, why he, that's why he's kind of worked well next to uh, Jokovic because um, or Jokic because of Jokic's ability to play on ball and pass and move the ball like that, and so that the, really their point guard isn't as ball-dominant. He's more playing an off-ball because of the fact that their center can handle and, and kind of make plays out of the post as well as Jokic can.
1: Well, I still think it's a point guard league. You know, Denver, they need some star power, a point guard, and they have a lot of talented players. Who uh, who can really score the ball, but they need someone to to get them the ball in more opportune situations, rather than playing a lot
0: of one-on-one basketball that Denver tends to do. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think a guy like Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, I'm going with Anthony Simmons. Gotcha. Cool. Well, yeah, I like I said, I don't know as much about Anfernee as I'd like to know, and obviously there's less information about him because he did not play in college last year, but he's definitely a point guard. He's definitely got some high upside, and um, I'm sure Denver could find a way to fit him into their system, especially given the fact that you know he doesn't have to immediately start as ball dominant, and he can kind of just evolve into what he needs to be for their offense and kind of go from there, especially if he's given the opportunity to kind of feast in bench units. Absolutely. All right, so that'll about uh, wrap up our um, Lottery Rapid Reactions podcast here at Tickle the Twine and our uh, mock draft, quick mock draft. Um, so just to run through the mock draft one more time, we had Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns uh, with DeAndre Ayton at 1, uh, the Sacramento Kings taking Marvin Bagley at 2, uh, the Atlanta Hawks taking Jaron Jackson at 3, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies taking Michael Porter Jr. at 4, uh, the Dallas Mavericks Taking Mobamba at five, the Orlando Magic taking Colin Sexton at six, uh, the Chicago Bulls taking Luka Doncic at seven, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers taking Trey Young at eight, the New York Knicks taking Wendell Carter Jr. at nine, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers taking Mikael Bridges at ten, um, the Charlotte Hornets taking Zaire Smith at eleven, uh, the Clippers picking back to back at twelve and thirteen, taking Robert Williams and Shay Gilgis Alexander, and The Denver Nuggets closing out the lottery with the Anthony Simmons pick. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty 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 good uh, uh, mock draft just to do right, right immediately. You know, we still got the combine coming up. We still got workouts. A lot of things could change and move um, given injuries, how guys perform, um, certain guys choosing to work out with certain teams and not others. There's already rumors that Doncic is one of those guys that apparently will maybe limit his workouts to only teams that he's trying to steer himself towards. And so you know, you never know what could happen um, with that. to change up how this has been, but. I think this was a good one. Um, thanks for coming on the pod and being the first guest, CJ. It was great having you on. Um, good having a different perspective. I'm sure the listeners will enjoy not just hearing me ramble for 40 minutes and having a different voice in here, um, mixing it up. So uh, thank you, and we uh, hope to have you on again maybe closer to draft time, uh, whether it be a draft review or we do a full mock draft and get some other people in here too, and just everyone gets assigned a team and we go 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 that way. So any, any last thoughts from you? No,
1: nah, man, not really. I'm excited about we made I can really see the draft Playing out in that order like you said There's a lot that you know stuff has to be figured out between now and draft day But I really like the picks we made uh, Brooks you've been good friends
0: for a long time I love the podcast and thanks so much For taking the time to have me on Yeah no problem uh, like I said thanks again um, have, For having you on hope hope to get you back So um, thanks for listening to the Tickle the Twine Podcast subscribe rate review Do all the good stuff and uh, We'll talk to you. talk to you Talk to you on the weekend see ya